You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our life crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Derek Lopez. All right, so we've been in 2 Samuel chapter 13 is where we're, we're like right in the middle of it. And last week, it was a little bit of a hard passage, or seems to be hard, because of the injustice that happened. So if you're here last week, you would know, and if you've read your Bibles, you'll know, that, uh, that David's son, Amnon, that he ends up defiling his sister Tamar, his half-sister. So what happens is Amnon gets this lust in his heart for his half-sister. She's a very beautiful woman. Uh, her mother was a princess. And so she, she's very beautiful, and he's like, I am in love with my sister. And he's just over the top about it, and he's telling one of his cousins, Jonadab is his name, he's telling Jonadab about this. Jonadab gives him wicked advice, says basically, hey, trick your dad, convince, convince your dad that, that, uh, that you're sick, and ask that she comes to you, and she takes care of you and your needs. So he ends up falling through with that, and he actually has his way with his sister, with his half-sister. She doesn't want to. She, she's a victim in all of this, and it gets to a point where he throws her out. He's, she's like, this is wrong. You shouldn't have done this. Don't, don't push me aside. Don't push me away, and he throws her out, and so what happens is she mourns. She puts ashes on her head. She tears her garment, and she goes out where her brother uh, ends up finding her, her brother Absalom, and he says, did Amnon do this thing to you? And he says, my sister, do not take what happened to heart. But the thing that happens is Absalom took it to his own heart, even though he said to his sister, don't take it to heart. And so in the scripture, it says that, that David didn't say anything to his son about this. And actually, the Dead Sea Scrolls goes farther. It says that, that he didn't correct his son. And so David, he doesn't correct him at all, but David is furious, but he does nothing. And so that leads us to verse 23. It says, two years later, when Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Belhazor near Ephraim, Absalom, which is it's, it's south of Jerusalem a ways, Absalom invited all the king's sons to come to a feast. So this was, this was a time where, hey, all of our hard work, we're going to gain the money. We're, it's, it's in. It's, it's time to celebrate. It is Thanksgiving. We're inviting friends. We're inviting family. We're going to kill the fattened calf. And so, so they have this big event, and, and he invites his brothers to come. It's a time of abundance. And so verse 24 says, he went to the king and said, my sheep shearers are now at work. Would the king and his servants please come celebrate this occasion with me? And the king replied, no, my son, if we all come, it would be too much of a burden on you. Absalom pressed him, but the king would not come, though he did give Absalom his blessing. So the king is saying, hey, you can't handle my entourage. You can't handle what we need. You can't handle how lavish it should be for us, for me and royalty. And, and even it would destroy you financially. 
You wouldn't gain much. You aren't able to handle it. And Absalom pressed him, come on, dad. Come, it's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of feasting. We need you to come. Come on, come, dad, come. No, no, I'm not gonna come. Come, dad, come. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be right for me to come under your house. You need to come under my house, is how I view it. And so then, then verse 26 says, well then, Absalom said, if you can't come, how about sending my brother Amnon with us? And he says, why Amnon, the king asked. But Absalom kept pressing the king until he finally agreed to let all of his sons attend, including Amnon. And so Absalom prepared a feast fit for a king. So he keeps pressing his dad. He said, what about my brother Amnon? Can he come? And I see it like, well, if you can't come, how about your firstborn to represent you? And so he, it's almost like he masks his true intentions because he invites his dad first. If he started out with Amnon, then it would have been even worse where he would have, uh, he would have actually, it would have looked like he wants to hurt Amnon. And so Absalom, Absalom really has these negative intentions that he masks. And remember, he's already invited the king's sons in, in verse 22 or 23. So he, he has these intentions and he's like, I have to get, now I have to get my dad's approval to get what I want. And so remember this, is it's been two years since this thing has happened to his sister Tamar. And so all this time, there, has been, there have been these thoughts in Absalom's head of like, how hurt, how hurt that she was. And he, he waits, he waits for David to correct, but first, the first thing that he does, I actually need to get a tissue real quick, excuse me. I hate, hate the all the dust in the air and stuff. It messes with my nose. But but he he looks through this lens. The first thing that Absalom does is he looks through this lens of hurt. And you know when we look through the lens of hurt, all we can see is is how wrong it was and how painful it is. And how now he sees how his sister Tamar she she is she is defiled she is she has been shamed this was her very brother how could he do this thing and you know when we look through the lens of hurt we only see our viewpoint alone and it's not saying that what somebody does is right or okay when they hurt us but i'm sure that they have had hurt too and so sometimes we say, why would that person stab me in the back? Why would that person try to take this thing from me? Why would they do that? How painful this is. They took money from me. They took relationship from me. They took a job from me. And when we look through the lens of hurt and we don't choose to let people forgive, we end up looking through a lens, a different lens of injustice. And so the lens of injustice says something should happen. This person should pay. And you know what? Amnon should have paid. Amnon defiles his sister, 
And if someone did that in the nation of Israel, the law was that they had to either marry that person or, or die. Or, or, or be, basically they would be exiled, excuse me. And then, but then also, this is his sister, and the law says that he couldn't see his sister in that way, and he should have been stoned for that. So Amnon should have at least been exiled, if not killed. And he sees dad should do something about this. Dad needs to exile him. Dad needs to kill him. Dad needs to rectify this situation. And he sees for two years, nothing happens. You know what we do? We look through that lens and we say, God, where were you in that? God, aren't you going to take care of what that person needs? Aren't you going to give them what they deserve? Somebody should stand up. Somebody should say something. People need to know. And so we might even say, I'm going to let everybody know. People need to know. They need to know how bad it was. They need to feel the hurt. And so he looks through this lens of injustice. Injustice says, why does that person get off when everybody else has to pay? And so, that lens leads to the lens of revenge. And the lens of revenge only sees red. The lens of revenge says, at all costs, as long as the person pays, it's okay. As long as they get what they want, I can be deceitful, I can lie, as long as that person gets exactly what they deserve. In the lens of revenge, what it does is it says that I am a self-appointed judge. You know why we have judges in the land? It's because you and I can't handle justice when it comes to our family. Because if, if someone kills one of my sons, and then I go and I kill one of their family members, or I kill them, then their family comes back and kills me, and it continues back and forth and back and forth, where there's bloodshed that shouldn't have ever been happened, right? Shouldn't have ever happened. It's like the Hatfield and McCoys. And it's all because we see through a lens of this person did wrong and this person needs to pay. And that's exactly what Absalom does. Is he, he sees through that lens of Amnon hurt me, Amnon deserves this, Amnon is going to die. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. Now, that's above everything. We need to guard our hearts. Even when somebody hurts us, we need to leave it up to the just judge and not ourselves. A lens of revenge says this person will pay. They will get what they deserve. And he sees for two years his dad does nothing. So he has this plan all together. In verse 28 of 2 Samuel, Amnon, Absalom told his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk, then at my signal, kill him. Don't be afraid. I'm the one giving you this command. Take courage and do it. So he's the judge, he's the jury, and he's the executioner. He's saying, I've decided this is what should happen. And he acts on his revenge. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, it says, But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these things defile them. For, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. And I love what Paul writes in Galatians because it's a little bit of a continuation of what Jesus said. He said in verse 16 of chapter 5 in Galatians, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit so you will not gratify the, devi- the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. So you're not to do whatever you want, but you are to be led by the Spirit. You're not under the law if you're led by the Spirit. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, when we accept Christ into our life, we are born again. It's a, it's a new birth, but something has to die. So our spirit man dies, but we come alive again in Christ Jesus. That's why when we're baptized in water, we go all the way under and all the way back up because it signifies what has happened, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I'm alive in Jesus. I don't live for myself anymore. I live for him. Amen, everybody? And so it's important that we remember, hey, the dead man, he's in the grave. I'm not going to go dig up the dead man to live however I want. No, he's, he's, he's dead. It's over. I'm alive in Jesus. I have freedom. I'm free from the law because I'm living by the Spirit of God. It says that Absalom, in verse 29, back to 2 Samuel, it says, So at, so at Absalom's signal, they murdered Amnon. And all the other sons of the king jumped on mules and fled. So he takes revenge for his own. In Romans chapter 12, it says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And it's interesting is... Absalom does give his enemy something to eat. And Absalom does give his enemy something to drink. You see how demonic and twisted it is? We're to show kindness to those who have caused us pain and who are our enemies. And he, he decides to act on his judgment. And Amnon is killed. It's done. The deed is done. He's been the judge Is he justified? No. Because he is a self-appointed judge. We're not appointed as a judge. We're to leave God up to that. It's mine to avenge, says the Lord. So he he ends up doing that, and then he, he ends up fleeing and leaving, we'll see. But it says that the sons got on their mules and they headed out of there. They got out of there. Well, that says a few things in that little passage of passage that says they got on their mules. It says that David had loose laws in his own home. Because 
they weren't to ride on animals that have been mixed with other animals. Because a mule is a donkey and a horse together. And so this possibly that those were imported from another country or they were bred in Israel, but it shouldn't have happened at all. And they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. It's important that, that if we're loosey-goosey with, loosey-goosey with our rules and regulations of God's law in the home, it's going to be an excess for the next generation. So it's important about what we hear. It's important about what we see. It's important about what we speak and how we act, even in the home where we're private. We need to, we need to, we choose, there's, there's two choices. We choose to follow Jesus or we don't follow Jesus. We're open to conviction of the Holy Spirit or we're not. And so, we don't want to be loose with the laws. We see that there is some of that, that David treats his kids different than the rest of the nation. And he's not a great father. And you know, I'll, I'll say this, is that it's important about what we speak. Because the Bible says life and death is from the power of the tongue. And life and death is the power of the tongue. The power of life and death is in the tongue, excuse me. And so when we speak death over our situation, there's power to it. And there's actually a verse in Proverbs that says, as you spoken curses over yourself and over your life, may it be unto you. That's why the older generation understand that they shouldn't speak, shouldn't cuss, shouldn't speak death over your own situation. And you don't hear that much in the church today because there hasn't been great teaching on it. If we speak death over our own situation, it will be done unto us. Think about this. Peter, the Apostle Peter, and I'm just going off now. I hope that's okay. But the Apostle Peter, he was, he was nailed on a cross upside down, history tells us. But you know what he tells the little girl? He, he, he basically says, damn me if, if, if I'm lying and if I don't know the man. Did Peter speak death over himself to the point that he went to the cross and was nailed upside down? Just a thought. Doesn't mean it's true or it's canon, but he was nailed upside down and he did curse himself. We don't want to speak curses. We want to speak life over our kids, over ourselves, over our marriages, over our families. Amen, everybody? I hope this isn't too hard of a message. So it says that they were on their way back to Jerusalem. And David got this report before they get back. It says, Absalom has killed all the king's sons. Not one is left alive. And the king got up and he tore his robe and he threw himself on the ground and his advisors tore their clothes in horror and sorrow. But then Jonadab, the son of David's brother Shimea, arrived and said, No, don't believe all that, the, that all the king's sons are dead. It is only Amnon. Absalom has been plotting this ever since he raped his sister Tamar. No, my lord the king, your sons are not all dead. It was only Amnon. Meanwhile, Absalom escaped. So this, Jonadab is the one who told Amnon what to do to have his way. And so now he comes in, whether he was at the party or not, he, he ends up showing up saying, hey, that's not the case. 
And I would ask, how does this guy know? And he actually tattles on himself a little bit, and he doesn't realize it because he says, uh, he says that Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped his sister Tamar. How would he know that? How would he know? Don't you hate weasels? And so, so he's trying to calm the king down for his own gain. Meanwhile, Absalom, he leaves, he goes and he, he, he hides, he escapes. It says, Then the watchman on the Jerusalem wall saw the great crowd coming down from the hill on the road west, and, and he ran to tell the king, I see a crowd of people coming from Horonaim road alongside the hill. And then Jonah, Jonadab says, Look! And I kind of see it like this. Look, he told the king, there they are now. The king's sons are coming just as I said. It's important who we have in our ear. It's important who has the ear of our kids. And so he allowed this to happen because he was family. Not all family's good. Not, not everyone has our best interests and we need to we need to be cautious about who we listen to. You know, when someone sit, comes to me and they say, hey, may I speak something into your life? I'm always like, hmm. That's a weird way to phrase that, one. Two, it seems I'm a little cautious. Why wouldn't you just say it instead of asking for my approval? And so he, he, wants, he wants some gain in the kingdom because he says, just as I've said, I've done it. Don't you hate, just to go off for a minute, don't you all hate when, when somebody has a weasel uh, that's next to the boss and they speak to the boss and they talk to the boss and they, they just have their own intentions in mind? Anybody have any relationships they've seen like that in the past? I'm not talking about here, okay? But I'm just saying that it can be so infuriating when someone comes in and they try to box you out of a conversation with the, with the leader. And it's like, how does the leader not see this? Or even a boyfriend or a son or daughter who has a boyfriend or girlfriend. And, and it's like, how do they not see that this person is not really for them and good for them? It's like, here's your sign, right? And so it's so infuriating Sometimes where that, where that spirit gets in to our different relationships and affects our lives. But we have to leave justice up to God. And Jonadab's not mentioned again in Scripture, so maybe he was killed for this. I'd kill him, but that's why I shouldn't be a judge. Because there'd be a lot of people dead, I'm sure. But I'm not God, right? And I'm just trying to show you humanity. We're not the judge. He's the judge. Have you appointed yourself as a judge in a situation? Think about it. Have you even judged somebody else's heart? And I know I can't see in anybody's heart. I'm not a spiritual cardiologist. I don't know what's in there. I hate the phrase, well, you know my heart. No, I don't actually. I don't know your heart. I think that's a dumb statement. Anyways, I'm just complaining. I love people. God bless you all. Sometimes, like, I question motives. 
And so he said, look, they're coming just as I said. And you know, we don't want to be like this guy full of selfish ambition because James chapter 3 says this, for jealousy and selfishness are not the kind of wisdom that God has. Such things are unearthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom that comes from God is first of all pure. That's why Philippians chapter 4 says, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is right. Fix your thoughts on what is admirable. Think about godly things. That's what we want to think about. We want to meditate on. Verse 36 says, as soon as they arrived, weeping and sobbing, and the king and the, king and the servants wept bitterly with them, and David mourned many days for his son Amnon. Absalom fled to his grandfather, Talmai, son of Elihud, the king of Geshur. He stayed there in Geshur for three years. So that's just, it's east of Israel. Um, his, his mom was a princess there. And uh, it says, King David, now reconciled to Amnon's death, and he longed to be, reuni- to be reunited with his son Absalom. So I think that there's things we can see in a Christ picture here in a way, and with some comparison. David knew where his son was at. David didn't go after his son, but you know what? God knew exactly where you and I were, are and were, and he goes after us. David was inactive. David David was unsure. He was paralyzed, possibly by fear. We don't know. But our God is not, he's not paralyzed. Our God acted in our sin and the things that we've done wrong. David was unjust in the situation. God is just. David didn't punish his kids, but God punished his one and only son, Jesus, for us. David knew where his son was, and he did not go out to get him. And God keeps searching. You know, this is interesting. David thought of his son, but God thinks about you and I all the time. Psalms 139 says that God, the thoughts of God about you are more than the sand on the seashore. They're countless. You know, if I think about Josie every 12 seconds for 40 years, 24-7. I don't think it's possible. But if I did, that would be an area of 10 square feet in sand. And all the sand combined on earth is how much God thinks about you. You see, He loves you. And to take this a step further, worship team, you can go ahead and come on up. All of this was caused by sin and unforgiveness. David's son was full of unforgiveness. Jesus is full of forgiveness. He hung on the cross with those who put him there. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
David's sons never sat on the throne. Jesus is on the throne now. Amnon was killed by Absalom. No one could take Jesus' life from him, but he laid his down. Amnon drank and was merry. Jesus chose not to drink when he needed it most. Jesus died the death that you and I should have died. He lived the life that we couldn't live. He wasn't like the other sons of David. Yes, Jesus is the son of David, but he's also the son of God. He's the root of David. He did what Absalom and Amnon could never do. He decided to forgive and let go. And that is crazy to me because I've done some bad stuff. You've done some bad stuff. And he does it. He wants to be with me. He thinks about me more than the sand on the seashore because he loves me, because I'm his creation. He just wants to know me. He just wants me to be close to him. He just wants you to be close to him. Even though we've done despicable things and things that are wrong, where we should have deserved death and we should deserve separation. But God made a way for you and for I through his son Jesus because he made a way where there was no other way so we could have life and have it to the full, not have it where we're struck down where we're loved God thinks about me think about it yourself he thinks about you more than the sand on the seashore his thoughts about you are endless he's longing to be with you he wants you but you know what God calls us to he calls us to let people off the hook he calls us to forgive we have to do that. Jesus said if we don't forgive and we don't let people go at the same level, he will forgive us. So if I hold a grudge against somebody, he's, he's not going to let it go. He's not going to forgive me. Do you want God to let things go in your life? I want him to let go, let go of things in my life. If you'd bow your head with me and pray. Man, I want to pray with you if you need to forgive somebody, I want to help you. It's not saying what happened was okay or that I was right, but, it, but it's saying they don't owe me anything. You know that unforgiveness is like drinking a poison, hoping the other person will die. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.